Thank you for listening to this episode of the Following Films Podcast, a movie podcast that takes you on a weekly journey into the world of cinema and into the minds of the talented individuals who shape it. I'm your host, Chris Maynard, and today we're joined by Mark Turtletop to discuss his film, Jules. Jules stars Ben Kingsley as Milton, a man who lives a quiet life of routine in a small western Pennsylvania town, but finds his day upended when a UFO and its extraterrestrial passenger crash land in his backyard. Before long, Milton develops a close relationship with the extraterrestrial he calls Jules. Things become complicated when two neighbors discover Jules, and the government quickly closes in. What follows is a funny, wildly inventive ride, as the three neighbors find meaning and connection later in life, thanks to this unlikely stranger. But before we dive into our conversation with Mark, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. Bookman's is your go-to independent bookstore, where you can find an extensive selection of books, movies, music, and more. They truly believe in the power of storytelling and in the magic of the cinematic arts. So if you're looking to expand your film, music, or movie collection, be sure to visit your nearest Bookman's. There's always something truly wonderful to discover. Have you followed the following films podcast on Spotify? If you have, well, thank you. If you haven't, head on over to Spotify. Search for Following Films and give us a follow. It really does help the show. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mark. Jules will be released in theaters nationwide today. Enjoy the show. Hey, Christopher. Thank you. Prefer Christopher or Chris? Either way, don't care. I've never been one of those people that gets offended by Chris. Christopher, half the people I know call me by my last name. So Chris is fine. No, no big deal, though. Um, congratulations on the film. Um, I I just the first thing I was struck by is when you probably took this project on you it probably wasn't quite as um, salient as it is today because this is a film that absolutely feels like a reflection of where we are at this exact moment right now was that the case when you initially got into this project yeah you know I already the whole notion of unidentified flying objects if that's (laughs) referring to where it was in the world it was in the in the zeitgeist generally but right now it's really of course front and center with the hearings in congress so uh that i wish i could say i could have predicted that but i didn't um you know it it, that that is a a part of it but also it's this other layer on it um with the idea of isolation and how alone we are and how there's this idea of the other which is really to me this that's what this story is about the idea of the alien the sci-fi that's completely secondary to what makes this work yeah it's really it's that's really well said you know i, I when i when i first read it i looked at all these disparate elements and i said how did these all going to go together i knew i loved it but i didn't know how they'd go together but then the what sort of was the connective tissue for me, Chris, was the notion that we have this. I hope I can. Can I give away a little bit of the story? Yeah, 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 yeah please. I, hey, it's I, I'll give away as much as you're comfortable with. That's your decision. Really. We, have, we have this four foot 11 inch alien uh, who is the world's perfect listener. <laughs> Uh, and it's kind of what we all want in our friends, in our partners, in our family. We want people to be able to hear us. And when we get to see this uh, alien played by a real person, not the CGI, this incredible actress, Jade Kwan, when we when we when these characters encounter the perfect listener, it shows you how they can open up and reveal things that have been buried for years. 
And I think that you're you're right. That's the connective tissue, and that's uh, after coming out of COVID, uh, we all uh, we all were hungry, and some of us were, were felt it difficult to re-enter into the world in a in a healthy way. Uh, but when we did, <laughs> uh, we remembered how important it was to make that human connection, and not just on Zoom, uh, oh, but but face to face, and uh, so. Uh, yeah, that was the connective tissue for me in the movie. And it's really what the movie's about, which is uh, the importance of finding uh, friendship uh, and connection even later in life. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And it's this, this idea of vulnerability, the, um, the, the letting go of the guards that you have around you that you've built up and simply talking and expressing yourself and how just over time, this becomes this thing where he's able to really just get in touch with himself simply by kind of just talking to somebody that's willing to listen. Cause you have this character who is never heard, you know, that's kind of the whole point of the introduction to this, that he's just repeatedly kind of going through this process that no one listens to. And how many times are we kind of throwing our voice out into the void? It feels like, and it's, there's no response. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, but also heartwarming at the same time. Yeah. And, and we, how, how many times are we thinking about what we're going to say next when, when we're listening to someone else instead of really True. listening, really listening uh, and seeing what, what they have to say? So, yeah, I think that's really behind it. But, you know, it's, it's really important for me, no matter what the message is, and there has to be a message for me to make a movie, has to be something of depth in it. Uh, but it's equally important that it entertains. And if you don't have a good time at the movie, or at least an emotionally deep time at the movie, then you're not going to go, right? And you're not going to enjoy it if you do go. So for me, it's got to have both pieces. It's got to have some meanings, uh, something meaningful to say, hopefully not so overt, you know, in the in the subtext, but it's uh, also got to entertain. And what I loved when I read this screenplay by Gavin was it was ridiculously funny to me yeah. and ridiculously inventive. Uh, I mean, where, who could think of these things? You know, <laughs> and yet Gavin did, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to receive it. And when you're looking at that screenplay, I, I don't think that when I w- if I would have been given this material that the cast that you got in place here would have been the natural first choices in my mind that I would have gone to. But my God, I mean, this is just a, an embarrassment of riches, the cast that you're able to put together for this film. So um, I, I think that really, no matter what the role is, if you're going to Ben Kingsley, it's just, okay, That that's the right guy for it. But how do you even think you'll be able to get him for anything really? Uh, it's a great question. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, try to stop myself uh, in the borning stage, the aborning stage, you know, I'm, I, as I'm thinking about it, I think, Oh, who would be perfect for this? And I thought, yeah. Oh, it would be Sir Ben Kingsley. And so we sent it to him. And what was interesting, Chris, is that all of the main actors said yes within five days of receiving the screenplay. Wow. They, including including Sir Ben. They immediately read it and they saw it. And that's a testimony to the writing. We yeah. all read it and we said, oh, this is one of a kind. You don't see something like this every day. And so I think that's uh, at the end of the day, you you send it to the people that you really think would be great because I didn't know Sir Ben, uh, but you just think, oh, I've never seen him do that before. Wouldn't it be interesting to see him play Milton? And I think he felt the same way. And and he, I, without any surprise, he just absolutely 
destroys it. He's great in this role, but there's just his comedic timing is so much better than I, I had any idea. Honestly, he's he's just one of those people. It's like, oh, okay, he can do anything apparently. Which, my God, that's frustrating when you it's, <laughs> you meet people that are that immensely talented. Right. I, I think he's going to have a good career. <laughs> it might work out for him. It might work. It might work out for him. Uh, no, uh, it, 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 the key, I think, is that he and Harriet Harris and Jane Curtin and everyone in it uh, uh, bit their tongue throughout the whole movie and they played it straight. And that was the sort of message that we all agreed as we were looking at the screenplay is let's play this real. The lines are ridiculous. The situations are funny. Uh, we don't need to play it for the joke play it for real and the audience will find the humor in it and i think that was the key it gives you grounding it doesn't it's not a comedy played for comedic uh, with comedic uh, sensibility well i think if you play broad next to a person in a rubber suit it's unnecessary it's a hat on a hat at that point you don't need to add that on at that point because it's just there's an absurdity already just in the basic conceit of this film. It's, it's a ridiculous idea. And it, but because of the way that everyone is reacting to the situation, it pulls you in and you let go of that and you buy into the situation. Cause it's played as you're saying, it's played for absolute honesty, which it's that distancing. I think we need in our storytelling where if it's overt, if it's, you know, we're going to tell you a story about isolation, how you need to be together and you need to connect with people and connect connectivity is really important. If you, get on a soapbox and say that audiences will reject it. But if you tell it through this with a, you know, the most adorable alien costume that's probably ever been made and go through this kind of this format, I think that it really does connect with people. Yeah. I think it's spot on Chris. I, you know, and part of that is, uh, is the performance of Jade Kwan who played Jules uh, and you in about 10 seconds don't even think that this is a character in a costume because first of all the prosthetics are amazing it took her four to five hours a day to put Ooh. them on and then she goes to work uh, and then after work you know work for several hours and then takes it off for an hour so that alone uh, is incredible but she always she said to she said to me she said I always want to be present in every scene even though she's not talking she's completely present and all of the actors said much as it is in the story I could get lost in her eyes and I think that's critical because you can then read into her face what you want to read Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. Do you have books, movies, or music gathering dust on your shelves? Give them a new life at Bookman's. They gladly accept trade-ins and buy used media. Clear up some space for new artistic journeys while knowing that your books, movies, and music will find a loving home. On my latest trip to Bookman's, I found a copy of the 1946 film, Beauty and the Beast. This film is an absolute classic and a cinematic treasure that has stood the test of time, captivating audiences for generations now. This film is extraordinary. It weaves a spellbinding tale that touches the heart and ignites your imagination. From the very first frame, the exquisite artistry and attention to detail transport you to a mesmerizing realm of fantasy and wonder. Cocteau's visionary direction infuses each scene with poetic elegance 
and it allows the story to unfold in a visually stunning and emotionally resonant manner. One cannot help but be captivated by the production design and breathtaking cinematography. The opulent castle, with its haunting corridors and magical rooms, becomes a character in itself. And this isn't like when people say New York is a character in the film. This is a literal character in the film. The ethereal lighting and intricate set pieces create a visual feast that immerses the audience in a realm of enchantment. What truly sets this rendition of Beauty and the Beast apart is its ability to delve beyond the surface and explore the complexities of human nature. The film delves into themes of love, sacrifice, and the transformative power of acceptance. It reminds us that true beauty lies within and that appearances can be deceiving. The allegorical elements presented throughout the story add depth and thought-provoking layers, making it a timeless tale with universal resonance. Beauty and the Beast, it's nothing short of a triumph when it comes to storytelling and craftsmanship, a true cinematic gem that continues to captivate audiences even after decades. There's very few things you can see that were made 80 plus years ago, or almost 80 years now, I guess, if I'm doing my math correctly, um, that still hold up. That stands as a testament to the power and imagination and the enduring appeal of a tale as old as time. If you seek a film that transports you to a world of magic, look no further than this timeless masterpiece. I cannot recommend the film highly enough and recommend that you go to your local Bookman's to unearth your new favorite film. Remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, it's that having a physical being that you're acting against, that that's your scene partner, that it is a real scene partner. It's not a tennis ball on a stick. It is something that you are looking into the eyes of a character and that you can believe that. And you can, it's that thing you're creating a smaller leap for your actors to have to take in those moments. And I think that's just so important, at least from my perspective, that I think you get better performances when act, if you, break down barriers between the performance and, you know, the actual audience, then I think that's important. that's one of the key things that you could do there. Cause there's something that happens with us for some reason where intellectually a rubber suit, <laughs> the tactile nature of it just feels more real than even something that's more convincingly done with CGI. I, I don't know what that is, but there seems to be a disconnect. Yeah, I think it's, first of all, you took the words right out of my mouth. Sir Ben, when we first talked about this screenplay, he said, I'm hoping I'm not going to be acting against a ball. And he used the <laughs> words. And I said, no, no. And I had read eight different actresses for this role before we settled on Jade. Uh, and I said, no, no. Uh, and you don't focus on the physicality of the of the alien. I don't even call her a creature. She played it as an alien, not a creature. Uh, but you see her eyes, you get lost in her performance, uh, and it gives you something to play against that you could never get from CGI. Uh, there's a real interaction, and it's it's the same reason we love live theater. There's people yeah. talking to each other, uh, and Jade uh, amazingly brought that to bear uh, without a single word. I, it It's just truly remarkable honestly because it is such a small it seems so weird to say <laughs> that that performance is small and subtle but it really is and there's a lot going on and you're right it's there's probably a good piece of that that the audience is doing on their own we were we are projecting ourselves and our thoughts into this because it's just this 
essentially a mirror. It can be whatever you want that to be, this other, this alien, this unknown presence that we really don't, I, I felt an emotional connection to, that I felt there was something deeper there. But is that really on the screen or is that just me? Yeah, I think that's the question, right? That's the question that 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 you know you go out asking is, you know, was she telepathically sharing or, or was she just really listening deeply? And I tend to I lean towards for me the latter, that yeah. just you know, she, clearly she has uh the ability to see things, obviously, because in the movie she she sees different situations uh from a distance. Uh uh, but it's when she's with someone, you just get the feeling that she's truly listening deeply. And uh, and it allows the actor to then say, oh, huh, I can share with this person because there's no judgment. <laughs> there's no, there's no, re- not even any, re- you know, outward response. And I think Harriet at one point, the character Sandy says, I can't believe I haven't talked this much in years. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And Sir Ben ends up calling his son, who he hasn't called in years. And all these things are triggered by the perfect listener. Incredible what that can do for us, because it's just it, it's something that is absolutely innate in human nature. We have to feel heard that if the things that are all bottled up inside our heads, if we don't find a way to get them out into the world, um, if you're not able to, you know, put pen to paper or, you know, talk to somebody or anything like that, just to excise all that garbage that's going on inside your mind at all times, it can really be poisonous after a while. And I think that that's what we've seen. And I I need to stress though, because I know we're getting close on time here, how funny this movie is. The deeper themes are what really I connected to, but I think it's because of how charming this movie is and how absolutely hilarious it is laugh out loud funny i saw this at home sitting on my couch and there's not many times when i'm in that situation that i will literally laugh out loud most of the time that's something that's inspired by being in an audience and feeling that energy of a room but this is that funny that it transcends that and i would love to see with this with an audience because i would imagine it would have a much larger reaction there's probably things that are funny here that i may not even picked up on the first time and i would love to see that yeah, thank you, Chris. That's the I feel the same way. I when I read it, I laughed out loud. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. I've read, you know, thousands <laughs> <laughs> say screenplays. And there's only a handful that I can remember really leaving a strong imprint. This is one of them. Uh, and the humor just jumps out at you. Uh, and seeing it in the audience, uh, I went to, I did a screening QA last night, uh, and all ages, which is wonderful. But even though the cast yeah. It speaks to everyone because it's so wildly imaginative and the humor is so universal. It doesn't matter who you are or what age you are. Uh, and we've tested the movie, you know, after I got done, I said, oh, gee, I better test it. You know, most people test it before. Uh, yeah. I was stupid and I tested it after we finished it. <laughs> and thank goodness it tested really, really extraordinarily well in all age groups uh, in the 18 to 30s, loved it as much as over 50. And so uh, it's a movie for everybody because of the humor. Well, and uh, honestly, and it can go lower than that because my seven-year-old walked in and he was able, no, no, yeah. And he's able to um, kind of watch moments of this. And it's not something that I think that he would really, I I think my 13-year-old could absolutely watch this and get a lot out of this uh, at that age. But the, you know, character design here, he, my seven-year-old was attracted to this. He was 
into this. And there's nothing here that I would feel really uncomfortable with him seeing, but it's not something that feels like it's overly saccharine. It doesn't feel like something that it's, you know, talking down to me or talking down to my kid at the same time, which is really rare that you have something that can satisfy that 40 year age gap between the two of us. And one of us isn't being, you know, placated in some way. Would you please ask your seven-year-old to post it on Instagram? <laughs> He's not on social media yet. Not so. yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a demographic that I, I'm trying to crack, Chris. So anything we can do. Well, I, I think it's the, the it's, do you have kids? Uh, I do. Okay. So I have a feeling you probably talk to your kids like an adult um, when they're young and that's, really important. I think that when you give them material, the things that I loved when I was a child, they weren't necessarily ever designed for a kid. You know, when I saw the Ray Harryhausen films, when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, when I saw Clash of the Titans and when I saw Jason and the Agronauts, those things, they weren't designed for me or even a kid from my time period, but they just worked for me. And they were, and I think that when you see something like that at that age, yeah, I, I think that it will work for them. You know, Chris, it's because it's a fable. Yeah. And so a fable, if it's good, has universal uh, impact, regardless of age. Uh, the you know the message. I don't want to be too philosophical, but but you know the message of it touches all ages because we can all interpret what those things mean. Uh, but again, I, I'm like you. I don't want to ever lose sight of the fact that, that this is not a preachy movie. This is not something that you have to, you know, you have to uh, take notes on. Uh, you can go for the ride and enjoy it. My favorite types of films, ones you can go for the ride, enjoy it, and then uh, think about you can it. Pay attention to the deeper stuff afterwards. Yeah, you can enjoy it, and it justifies it in the end. It's like, look, this was actually thoughtful. So, right. congratulations, Mark. There's a hell of a film, man. I'm, oh, I'm definitely you. looking forward to people responding to this. So, oh, thank you, Chris. Spread the word. Tell anybody who likes it. Please go out if you, you know, these movies like these small movies depend on word of mouth, and it's yeah. wonderful now that we're back in the theaters. We're going to be out in just under a thousand theaters. That's uh, awesome. Which is amazing for a small film, but it's all going to depend on word of mouth. So please spread the word if you like the movie. I'm going to get on the mountaintops and scream it. This is one that I think that there's there's room for. And there's uh, I, I this was a pleasant palate cleanser right now. So thank you for that, man. Oh, thank you, Chris. All right, take care. It was nice to meet you, Mark. You too. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one. You too. I'm just going to, uh, Sarah, I'm just going to grab some water. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Boys crack.